Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Rad. And I'm Paul, and welcome to Game for Anything, the podcast where we're disgustingly down for whatever comes round. On today's episode, dreams do come true in the form of a robot vacuum and a dream city, which actually (laughs) could turn out to be a bit of a nightmare. We certainly have opinions. And may I just say, Rad, I have really enjoyed basking in the glow of our new cover art, which makes us look like some sort of German new wave band as opposed to a podcast. Would you agree? Isn't it so cool? So we got some photos done by Michelle Grace Hunter when I was down in Melbourne. And it's incredible that you can really just pay someone to take hot photos of you. Uh, But we went ahead and replaced the cover artwork for this podcast using one of those photos because it just feels right. feels like such a vibe. It also feels like we could just be a duo of synth rock artists who are just on the verge of releasing an amazing album. I mean, this podcast would have a very different vibe if we were called like Gunter and Dieter and we were game for nothing. That's a very different... (laughs) It's a a different show entirely. Paul, you're going to have to learn how to play an instrument so that we can live out these uh, band fantasies because I can play music. It's time for you to pick up the slack. I like to think that until I try playing instruments, I can potentially play all of them. What's that Schrodinger's cat? I'm the Schrodinger's cat of musicians, right? I don't know how Schrodinger's cat works. I'm going to be honest. It's To me, it's kind of complicated. It's not an instrument. You're not shaking a cat in a box. It's not weird percussion. It's basically a... I think the idea is that until you open the box, there may or may not be a cat in the box, and therefore there is a cat stuck in some state of quantum potential entanglement or something. It's that the cat may or may not be alive. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, ah. Hmm. I thought there was a possibility that the cat wasn't there at all <laughs> Got no I, i'm pretty sure it's it may or may not be alive but this is what i mean that i uh i'm not super well versed in that analogy but something that i am super well versed in is the dream l20 robot <laughs> vacuum <laughs> which may or may not have a cat in it at any one time <laughs> we know that you love vacuums could you oh. please extol the virtues of this one in particular oh i love vacuums so much i think they're probably my pet topic in fact i'm actually doing a queer powerpoint presentation on December 15th, I think. Queer PowerPoint is this really cool initiative um, that's put on by the artist Xanthi Dobby and a couple other people. And essentially it's like, put on a PowerPoint about something super duper niche that you're extremely passionate about. And my topic is vacuums. Oh God, that's so good. Are you taking one up on stage with you? Well, it's a PowerPoint, so there's going to be a presentation. I have thought about taking one up on stage, but carrying that many props might be a pain in the ass. So... I might just keep it to the uh, the digital visual. Tell me about this vacuum cleaner. This is a like top of the line robot vacuum cleaner from Dream. They're a relatively newish one in the Australian market, but they've really been pushing into the premium space with what they're offering. So this one isn't just a vacuum. It's also an auto mopper. 
it mops. How? How is this witchcraft possible? It's got two little pads on the bottom that kind of look like boobies and they <laughs> swirl around uh, with mop pads on them and it squirts water, <laughs> squirts water on the floor and then moves the pads and they can also like stick out a little bit like a leg to get closer to the edges of walls and things. Oh my- it's very cool. And it works surprisingly well. Like the mop extend edge cleaning bit where it sticks a leg out doesn't work super great. I still found that it had trouble with debris uh, sticking next to the skirting and with corners and things like that. Mm. But in general, it mo- like it leaves the floor feeling very nice and clean. It mops. So here's a question. If I enjoyed mopping and vacuuming, Rad, would this thing be robbing me of one of the few pleasures I have left? Or do you think as a mop and vacuum enjoyer, I would actually kind of respect its work ethic at least? I think that that is a personal question that only you can answer, Paul. But as a vacuum enthusiast, I'm actually really into the idea of robot vacuums because it's not just the act of vacuuming that I enjoy. Like, I do enjoy seeing something go from dirty to clean, Mm. but I enjoy the floor being clean. I think that is my main goal. If the floor was always clean, then I could direct that vacuuming energy to other surfaces and keep the house even cleaner, you see? Yeah, okay. It's called unrelenting standards. It's always the pursuit of perfection. (laughs) It sounds sounds exhausting, (laughs) but um, very beneficial in some ways. So, okay. You've got a robotic vacuum cleaner. How far have robot vacuum cleaners come from like the basic bitch Roomba? I'd say they've come fairly far. So not only does this one mop, but it also has an auto emptying, auto refilling, auto drying station. So it's it's pretty big. It's got this huge like home base that in it has two, I think they're four liter tanks. So one of them you put clean water in, one of them it empties the dirty water into. It has a spot for you to put uh, like floor cleaner, like you can buy a little bottle of floor cleaner that fits in um, and it automatically puts that cleaner in with the water mm. when it fills itself. And it has a system by which it will put the mop pads into the cleaning station and like swirl them around and clean them and then air dry them for you so that they don't get mildewy. Isn't that cool? It is extremely cool. That is extremely cool. Do you watch it do its thing or is that like a private thing it wants to do by itself? I don't know what it wants, but I certainly watch it. (laughs) I follow it around the house and stare at it (laughs) because I want to see the good job that it's doing. Yeah. But some other areas that they've come quite far is the fact that it has a much larger battery than they used to. So the runtime on it is actually really, really good. I think I can get it to vacuum my house twice before it needs to go home. And I'm talking like a pretty thorough vacuum. And also the AI kind of powered navigation and object detection has gotten a lot better than they used to be. Mm. So it does a pretty okay job at making sure it doesn't get itself stuck. However, it did get stuck a bit or does get stuck a Mm. bit. And that makes me kind of mad. Like I I don't want to have a high-end robot vacuum that ever gets stuck. My goal is to never have to come find you in the house. So you want this to be an unsupervised experience? Absolutely. Is that not the point of purchasing a robot of any kind? Like, I don't want to have to watch you. I want to watch you for my own pleasure. Because you want to. No, that that makes sense. Okay, so, because there is always the concern that no matter how well uh, behaved a thing is, when you turn your back, it might just, like, strip some paint or knock shit over. But it, it, was, it <laughs> was it relatively... Oh, sorry. Where did it actually end up struggling? Like, where where were the roadblocks? You know where you would think that it would struggle? Going up a ledge from, like, the hallway to the laundry. Mm. 
how sometimes there's maybe a one to two centimeter lip. That it was fine with. It managed to get in and out of those spaces. No worries. Where it did struggle was on the standing mat that I have under my standing desk, (laughs) which is essentially just like a foam mat that's got a bit of a taper upwards. Hmm. It would go onto that and then be unable to come back down. (laughs) Was it unable or was it unwilling because it just enjoyed the texture on its weird mop pads? Like, was it just enjoying the feel? Uh, Well, the mop pads actually automatically lift when it detects that it's on carpet. Isn't that cool, Paul? That's so dainty. It's like a lady hiking her skirt up so she doesn't get a skirt muddy it is and you can watch it and see them come up and then see it like shuffle onto the rug or whatever and and dance around i will say i was still a bit too nervous to use it with the mop pads in my place because i have carpet pretty much everywhere except the kitchen yeah and they say to put the base station on a hard floor where like it can start with the mop so i wasn't i i'm game for anything but i wasn't game for filling my carpet with water <laughs> So I took it elsewhere for a test on the hard floors and the mopping worked really well there and I got to see the the dainty skirt lift. God, that's so precious. It's just ready for a dosy dough. It sounds really lovely. <laughs> Brad, the new Doctor Who is out in a couple of days and I'm not going to talk about it at length, but in Doctor Who, there is a fairly iconic bad guy called the Dalek and the Dalek is like a pepper pot. It's a big robot and it trundles around on treads, but for years... It was unable to get upstairs, so all you had to do to be the Dalek was just go up a flight of stairs. <laughs> can, can this precious southern bell make it upstairs yet, or is it, are we still a ways off? One to two centimetre lips, I think that's pretty good. It's progress. Is what, why do you need stairs taller than that? Why do you need to get up so high so quickly, you see? Let's say I fell. Let's say I had a, like a walk up and I fell and was calling for this sweet, sweet dame and I needed her help. Could she like shimmy up a stair at a time and like get up there and maybe mop me awake after I had a dizzy spell? Paul, it's a robot vacuum. Okay, so we're not there yet is what you're saying. (laughs) No, what I'm saying is we're never going to be there because that's not the function of the item. I know that you're having a little joke, but this is really... This is, I'm not, I don't like this joke because it's deviating from the purpose of the, of the product. So you need a different robot for that. Yeah, it makes no sense. Make jokes that make sense. Okay, you want to vacuum robots vacuum, help a robot's help, and nary the two shall meet. Precisely. We're not living in Will Smith's hit film, iRobot. Although the iRobots would potentially cost roughly the same as this single function (laughs) robot vacuum. It's not cheap. I would hazard a guess that this one won't create some sort of uprising so how expensive are we talking here oh my god paul do you want to play the price is right i really do welcome paul to the price is right here we have the dream l20 ultra robot vacuum and mop cleaner with auto mop cleaning and drying self-refilling and self-emptying base station wow could you take a guess paul as to how much this one comes in at at recommended retail could I uh, please guess uh, $1,200? Oh, Paul, you sweet summer child. <laughs> You're going to have to guess again. Uh, uh, $2,500. You're kind of close. <laughs> Which direct this game is going to go on a while. There's an ad break coming up. Uh, we're, we're, okay, uh, two and a half, two, two, six. It's 2.8 recommended retail, but because of Black Friday sales that are on at the moment, it's 2.4. Okay, do I win? 
<laughs> well, it's a $2,800 robot vacuum I think we've all lost as a society. Okay. No, that's a joke. I'm excited the technology exists. I think that it's really, really getting there. The price point is still very much in the luxury category, and, you know, it is a luxury. My main thing is, for that kind of price... I'm gonna need you to throw in more accessories and spares because I did lose the little side brush like immediately. It detached, I don't know where in the house it is. Do you think it could have sucked its own brush up? And is that cannibalism? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, if you eat your own skin, is that cannibalism? I don't think so. That's a a debate for a whole other episode, I think. (laughs) So before you mentioned Will Smith's uh, hit film, I, Robot, speaking of Will Smith's hit films, Wild Wild West was not one of those, but last episode, Rad, we talked about a Wild West city that was for sale, if you recall, and you coveted this city. Yes, I absolutely do, and I'm really worried that you've come in here to tell me that there's something wrong with the fantasy city. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's been bought by new owners, the museum's running, it's all going well, but talking about kind of building a city had me reinstalling SimCity 3000 and kind of playing around with urban planning. I'd read a SimCity 3000 related story and I was trying to sort of game the system and look up the kind of ideal way of building the perfect, quote in quotes, uh, city design. And I stumbled across, Rad, I stumbled across a genuine whodunit, which is in progress right now over in America. Can I, can I tell you a crazy story? I absolutely cannot predict how these two pieces of information you've just given me are going to relate, and I'm very excited to find out. I'm very, very excited. So, Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's this rural area in the middle of the desert, halfway between San Francisco, which is where Silicon Valley is, and Sacramento, right? And back in 2018, this group of mysterious investors started suddenly paying like way too much money for these huge chunks of like just generic farmland, nothing special. You could plant wheat, barley, you could put, you know, grazing livestock, but it was basically in the middle of nowhere. And no one knew why these people were going so hard. So they were getting quite aggressive. And what happened was the families who owned this farmland were starting to sort of have these rifts because they owned this land for generations and some were holding out, some weren't. So it was tearing the community apart, but nobody knew who was buying it or why they were buying it. And then Congress noticed. So these congressmen started freaking out because they're like, what could possibly be of value in this area? And it turns out all the farmland was around uh, Travis Air Force Base, (gasps) which is where the aid uh, is being shipped out to the Ukraine. So America's sending out aid and there's like important military stuff going on there. And this mysterious investor group is buying huge tracts of useless land around the Air Force Base. Now, Rad, who would you think could be buying up the land at this point in the story? Well, it's giving Russia vibes. Yes, it is. Which is a little bit troublesome. Yeah, and the congressman actually thought it was a foreign power. So I think their thought was China, but they were starting to enact laws basically saying, um, we can't let foreign investors buy up American farmland. I'm sorry, how can you purchase land and remain anonymous? Like, so anonymous 
that US Congress can't figure out who you are. Basically, this Flannery group was trying to gobble it up so quickly. So that was part of the alarm bell so that investigators didn't have enough time. So by the time the sales were cleared, this group would already have the land. And people were starting to freak out. But then the story hit the media and investigative journalists started going in hard and the group were forced to identify themselves. Was it Zuckerberg? You are not far off. <gasps> You're not far off. Your, your thinking is very interesting. So uh, some, of the, some of the people involved are billionaire venture capitalist Michael Moritz, Steve Jobs' widow, Lorreen Powell Jobs, the co-founder of LinkedIn, and the sibling co-owners of Stripe. So basically a group of tech bro Silicon Valley billionaires had gotten together because they want to build a brand new city called California Forever. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. It is such a tech nerd thing to think I'm going to build a new city, yeah. which I'm just going to do off the bat, you know, build the whole thing in one go Yeah. and call it California Forever. That is like a poorly named Sims house. Which is why I wanted to talk about SimCity. So if you look at the designs for this utopian city, a few of these things, by the way, Rad, you and I are very much into. Like it's meant to be walkable, bikeable, uh, lots and lots of trees, affordable housing, clean energy, huge solar farms, and lots of open space. So at least 10,000 acres of open space. The idea is to build this sort of dream city. And the reason they said they needed to rush it through is because they were like, look, if we did it gradually, it would drive the prices up. We needed to kind of get in quickly and grab as much as we could. That was their argument anyway. But they were allegedly already overpaying. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And people are really, really skeptical. Not just Congress people, but there's a lot of, this is the best part. Maybe not the best part, Brad, but it's an interesting part. So there are cities and towns near this area, near Travis Air Force Base, and they're not great. I mean, these are run-down shit-kicker cities, which are super small and really underfunded. They don't have any mass transit. They don't have any amenities. They have no tech. They have no infrastructure. They're, they're run down. And so the people in these cities are like, why aren't you pouring money into us? Like, help, help, help us. Like, we're struggling. <laughs> and, and this is where it gets interesting. So in November next year, they have to basically, and by they, I mean the people running California Forever, need to front up at pretty much community grade meetings and get <laughs> like they have to, there's going to be votes and the people voting on whether the city gets to get greenlit or not, the, their plans for this utopian city are the people who are like, where are our trams and where are our electric grids? So they've made these people really angry. I don't know that I think the two are related because I can see them being like, if we buy this land privately mm. we own all of the land we can build whatever we want on it yeah. if you're talking about going into a pre-existing city and revamping it they don't have the rights to do whatever they want there you know they're you're talking about people's pre-existing houses businesses infrastructure etc mm. that they don't have any say on whether or not you know it gets updated they may have all the money they may be willing to do it even yeah. but they they don't have the right to so i don't know that i think you can just kind of be like, well, why don't you fix this city? It's like, they're, they're different. They're absolutely different. And there are a few holdouts who didn't sell their land. And now that those holdouts know that it's billionaires who spent 800 million US dollars or more at this point, they're holding out and they're suddenly going, ah, you're going to have to like triple your offers. So <laughs> suddenly the uh, quick land grab is starting to make sense. They needed to pretty much pull the wool over their eyes and get away with this. But here's something interesting. Somebody pointed out that when you rezone land from agricultural to residential, 
its value quadruples. So there's nothing stopping these people from going, well, it didn't work, and then selling the land for four times its value and making a lot more money. So we just, we don't know how it's going to pan out. We will in November. But the reason I wanted to mention SimCity is because there have been certain comparisons made on Reddit to this being envisioned as the perfect city. And there is a perfect SimCity city. And it's called Magna Santi. Have you heard of this? No, but that's a way better name than California forever. It is, but I guarantee you, if you call this city Magna Santi, things would go quite badly. So there was this guy called Vincent Oscala, and he had this experiment where he used, and I only found out about this a few days ago, he used SimCity 3000 to create what he thought was the perfect city. Not based on people's happiness, but based on a steady population growth which never abates. And he did this... <laughs> So what he did was he used citizen births to balance out deaths and he used tax revenues to offset maintenance costs. Oh my gosh. And he, he basically put as many people in as tight quarters as possible where the birth rate balances the death rate out. So there's this terrifying equilibrium. It's like that staircase from the labyrinth, but instead of that, it's like a 10 million times bigger and there's no room to move and there's no David Bowie. So there's no entertainment, there's no fire brigade, there's no hospitals, there's no schools, there's nothing. People are born, live very short amounts of time during which they are not smart or well-fed enough to revolt, and then they die. It's a police state from hell, and yet if you look at the stats, it's technically mathematically perfect. When we say mathematically perfect, though, by like what metric? Like, is it a productive city? It's a self-sustaining city. So it's, it's literally hell on earth, but their idea was, all right, we want a city that can sustain itself without any need for input from the outside world. So the city never dies. If you look at the city as a living thing, it never actually dies. It never, it doesn't do the Roman Empire thing of rise and fall. It's just always in a state of perpetual equilibrium, right? But, but it sucks. Mm, that's how I feel, just in perpetual equilibrium, just getting by, still here. <laughs> no peaks, no troughs, no wins, no losses just existing. These are lyrics from our upcoming um, German New Wave album, obviously. <laughs> but he got his idea from Magna Santi from Kowloon City, uh, the walled city, which I'm sure you've heard of, but basically it was this kind of gambling no. den made of, oh my God, Kowloon's insane. Thanks for thinking that I know anything about history, Paul, but my memory is so bad, nothing sticks. In some ways that's merciful. You'd actually do quite well in Magna Santi because you would forget the hell you were living through. <laughs> But on, and what I'm saying is on, on the one hand, you've got these billionaires assuming that you can just build a thing in the middle of nowhere, which is exactly Wait, what Wait, you didn't tell me what the city was. You didn't tell me about this walled city. So Kowloon City is a walled city. Basically, it was um, several city blocks densely populated and it became known as the City of Darkness. And it basically was where all of the criminal underworld went. Basically, it was where Chinese refugees went after the British occupation. It's, I mean, it's like a horror film. It was, I think, bulldozed sometime in the late 80s, but this guy was looking for templates as to a city that could improbably, even with no doctors and drug addiction and brothels and terrible crime, he was like, how can I make a city that actually sustains itself? I know, I'll use Kowloon City as the template. So that's how he came up with Magna Santi. On the one hand, you've got these billionaires who are looking at an empty plot of land, just like in SimCity, you've got a blank canvas and they're like, what is our idea of the perfect city? And they start building it and real life gets in the way. On the other hand, you've got a person with SimCity which has got infinite potential and he goes in the opposite direction. He doesn't try and create a utopia. He, tr he creates some sort of self-sustaining hellscape. And I have a, I have a quote here from Oppenheimer, which actually I think sums it up. Oppenheimer and not Jojo Siwa? No, it's Oppenheimer. Okay. If you're wearing a Jojo boat, you are a Siwanator. <laughs> if you're a Siwanator, then you are nice, powerful, confident, 
and believe in yourself. <laughs> I, actually, that might have been Jojo Siwa. Paul, this reminds me of the line that's uh, currently, I think it's currently being built in Saudi Arabia. Oh, do you mean the big, like, single city straight skyscraper thing that's going on? Yeah, the single line city that is supposed to be 500 metres tall, 200 metres wide, and 170 kilometres long, just in the middle of the desert. And they want to put, like, a mirrored facade on it? I don't think that's going to work. What are your thoughts on this hellscape? I think that it's okay to build a new city and start small and let it grow (laughs) instead of trying to slap the entire thing down in one fell swoop, particularly when you're going with a highly experimental layout for a city. It doesn't need to be 170 kilometers (laughs) long. Like you could do a little test of like 10K. But my favorite thing about the line is all of the 3D renders that are supposed to conceptually show what the city is going to be like (laughs) because they've got things like trees floating on platforms just in the middle of the space. And it's just such a beautiful look at, you know, people having dreams. There's nothing to say that this technology exists, but damn it if they don't want it. But you know what? If you don't dream big, you don't achieve big. And I am okay with billionaires whittling away their dollars (laughs) trying to make something happen. Because if it does happen, could be cool. If it doesn't, not my money. And speaking of the line, I believe there's a line we use to finish the show. Thank you so much for listening to Game for Anything. I'm Paul, that's Rad, and if you want to invest or help us uninvest in any future cities, then please email us at theline at government.biz. We'll see you next time for more Game for Anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.